You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. We're speaking with Mary Elizabeth Hart. She's one of three owners of Mysterious Galaxy, a bookstore in San Diego, California. Thank you for joining me, Mary Elizabeth. Pleased to be here. Tell me a little bit about your history as a bookseller, and tell me the history of Mysterious Galaxy. It's a, it's a very famous bookstore. Well, I, I don't know that we're very famous. We might be just a, a big fish in a small genre pool, but uh, thank you. Mysterious Galaxy will be 15 in May. We opened in May of 1993, and uh, it's the product of the partners in Crime and Imagination, the three partners who are myself. I came out of a combination of independent and chain bookstores. Um, My husband, Jeff Marriott, who is also an author who had worked for a long time at... um, Divisions of Books, Inc. in California, including in La Jolla, and our managing partner, Terry Gilman, who came to Mysterious Galaxy with no bookstore experience, but um, uh, a long-time dream of becoming a bookseller. And she's actually now the president of the Southern California Independent Booksellers Association, and uh, I think makes a lot of contributions to the industry. So when you started Mysterious Galaxy, you decided to become a genre bookstore. What made you make that decision back in 93? Basically, we are booksellers of the genres that we love. And conveniently enough, at the time, we, we sort of had two factors in our favor, one of which was that there was no speculative fiction genre store in San Diego there was a mystery store, but, but it had sort of a different outlook and feel than ours, and it didn't do cross-genre stuff, and so we felt like there was probably room for both of us. And then, of course, um, we actually had a president who read, and that was an encouraging environment. So you decided to start a bookstore, an independent uh, genre-oriented bookstore in San Diego, when you made this decision, it was a kind of a different bookselling environment than it was now. Can you talk about the changes that um, the bookselling environment has has gone through in your time as a bookseller? There, there were some differences. It was probably close to the beginning of the big era of discounting. It was sort of around the time that Crown was pushing the idea that books should be discounted, which hadn't really been a factor in the area. And it also was in the very early days of the Internet. I mean, the greatest thing that Jeff of Amazon ever did was sort of recognize that there wasn't anybody with a significant online presence for books. And that's how they managed to sort of establish themselves as that presence. Although, In my heart, I still suspect that at the end of the day, they would like to have established the Amazon brand name as booksellers, but but managed to have diversified into something with a um, higher markup. (laughs) The last I heard, they they actually were still um, not necessarily seeing a profit 
on the volume of books that they handle, that, that they're making their money in other areas. So it, uh, it, it made for a little bit of a, a different environment in that those were factors that we hadn't necessarily dealt with in our previous book selling experience, but at the same time, we sort of knew what we wanted from a bookstore. We wanted people who loved the same books that we loved. We wanted people who were knowledgeable about the books that we were looking for. We, we didn't want books as rectangular retail items. We, we wanted staff who could answer questions like, you know, oh, there's a Canadian mystery author and she's redheaded and writes funny books. Okay, well, could be Sparkle Hader, could be Carolyn Benjamin. You know, let's narrow this down. We feel like our customers have responded to that. Do you have long-time customers who are, have been with you since the beginning? Our first customer, and we have his dollar framed, still comes to our birthday bash each year. He's a local poet and publisher. His name's Terry Hertzler, and um, he has not only been a long-time loyal customer, you know, with his regular Friday night pilgrimages to the store, but he's also made some really amazing contributions to the store over the years. Um, a couple of years ago, he did a Sudoku word puzzle poem for us. Last year, he wrote a lovely limited edition, wrote and printed a lovely limited edition poem that was both a celebration of the Mysterious Galaxy's birthday and a tribute to late Kurt Vonnegut. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of people like that. Um, we've been very fortunate in that many of our long-term customers have also become staff members sometimes as times allowed or at least members of things like uh, when we had to move a few years ago, we had an advisory board and it was formed in part by customers who, who wanted to provide input into helping us find our best destination. What made you move? For the second time in my life, a fish market opened next to my bookstore. <laughs> really? It, you'd, you'd think you wouldn't have the karma where it would happen twice, but, uh, but it did. So, yeah, we, just, um, we, we actually have been in three locations during the history of the store, and we really like where we are now and would prefer to remain there permanently. Our first building was literally knocked down. Shortly after we had moved in, the mall that we were in was purchased by somebody else and reconfigured, and they did not have a spot for us. So we moved out of that mall to our second location, which was great until the fish store arrived. There were some parking limitations and other issues, and now we're in our, our current location and very happy. You mentioned the Internet earlier. Do you have an a e-commerce website? Yes, we actually have a website. We did our own for a while, but um, we have actually been on the BookSense.com template website for, gosh, probably three years now, and we really like that. It makes a lot more content and bells and whistles available to us than we could manage without having somebody dedicated to it more than we wanted to because our staff likes being booksellers. We like interacting with people. We like doing customer service. We all pitch in to do the necessary stuff that 
has to be done to keep the store running, but it was just becoming too difficult a task to manage from our time. Could you talk a little bit about BookSense? How have they helped you as an independent bookseller? BookSense is the is an aspect of the American Booksellers Association. It's sort of a collective voice for the independent bookselling community. BookSense has uh, monthly picks where there are personal recommendations from independent booksellers all across America, but they're consolidated in one place where they're visible to readers and publishers, and, and uh, it's a way of us collectively sharing information. There's also a gift certificate program through them, gift card program that can allow people to buy a gift card electronically or, or over the phone or whatever for someone in another state as easily as they could buy you know, a grocery store card or whatever. And they, they have established, as I mentioned, a template website that allows stores to build their own personal websites over the template, but with access to a much greater volume of information and the shopping cart and all those things that make, make for a good shopping experience online. One of the keystones of any independent genre-oriented bookseller is the staff. And it was interesting you mentioned that some of your customers had become staff. Could you talk about the challenges of getting a good staff, keeping a good staff, and, and keeping everybody happy? Um, we've been very fortunate in our staff. It's been pretty stable through the years, although real life happens and, and we have had staff come and go. We've had um, you know people who who left through changes in family circumstances or, or, you know, relocating or whatever. But uh, we've been very fortunate to have a mostly consistent staff of booksellers and, and certainly probably our most valuable person would have to be our store manager, Patrick Heffernan. Um, he is in an unusual situation in that he is the, the on-call guy 24-7 as the manager because we have a store where none of the store owners actually live in San Diego where the store is. And so, you know, he's um, an incredibly valuable asset to the store, and, and he has his dedicated band of followers who look to him for, for science fiction and fantasy recommendations in particular. And uh, our, our other staff members include even people like um, Christine, who is currently our book group leader, but originally was just a customer who attended book group and slowly got sucked into our web. <laughs> One of the things that, that interests me uh, about independent booksellers and genre booksellers in particular is your relationships with the big publishers and the small publishers. Could you talk, I, do, I, do you carry small press titles? Do they sell for you? And could you talk about the differences between dealing with them and, say, the big publishers, Random House, and et cetera? One of the things that I think allows genre booksellers to be collectively supportive of each other as a community is the fact that each store will have a slightly different experience with regard to that, and also a lot of times with regard to the subgenres. Um, you know, we know people who have, uh, say, a big 
sub-business in the sort of male action books, which vaguely could be considered an extension of either suspense or, or even maybe speculative fiction, and it's not something that uh, we really have a market for. We carry books from pretty much any publisher where we feel that we have an audience for the book, and the publisher offers standard trade terms, um, so, so large presses and small presses. Um, we carry a lot of small press stuff, but uh, the market for it can vary widely. We have some small presses that we're very successful with, um, Nightshade, for example. You know, we, we uh, are thrilled to be able to do well with Jeremy and Jason's books, particularly because Jeremy is actually a former Mysterious Galaxy bookseller. Um, you know, <laughs> he gets we around. Talked about the staff <laughs> coming and going. We lost Jeremy, but then he went and worked for Ellen Jude at Borderlands for a while, and grew up to be an amazing publisher in his own right. And you know, we're we're very uh, proud of him. And then sometimes we have other small presses where really we're we're almost ordering to customer orders. We just don't have the wider audience for it. But at the same time, sometimes we are fortunate in having um, a good response to our customers for books that, you know, frankly, we're pleased that they're picking them up from us and not from, you know, the local gas station because they're the kind of books that are just showing up everywhere. And, And in terms of relationships with the publishers, we've, we've found both the large publishers and the smaller publishers to be, you know, mostly very responsive and very supportive to, to working together because we all have a common goal, which is getting the books that we like into the hands of the readers. One of the other mainstays of a, a genre fiction bookstore are the events and the author signings. Uh, I know that you do them because I know that uh, Rolling Darkness Review appeared there a while back, I think last year. So could you tell me a little bit about signings, how those work for you, and how many you have? We have generally about five or six signings a month over the course of the year. We we have them on all sorts of scale. Sometimes we get a tremendous, you know, standing room only response. Other times it's a much smaller, much more intimate venue, but we figure um, even those are valuable to to the authors because it raises their profile, both among the staff and among the customers, even the ones who don't manage to come into the event. We like being able to offer that as part of our contribution to the community and and to to um, sort of enhance people's experience of of reading and and you know it's it's lovely when people are in and you know there's a couple hundred people standing around the store waiting to get their books signed by Clive Barker and visiting with each other and interacting and not only having enjoyed you know the interaction with the author but also getting to to share book selling or books with each other. Can you tell me some titles that have just come out or are about to come out that you're particularly looking forward to yourself? Oh, gosh. Um, can I not? Because then people will yell at me if I forget them. I don't know. I, I'll tell you what I'm currently reading because it's it's on my sig lines. So I just... Um, 
It's an awkward position because I never want to leave anybody important out. Um, I'm currently reading The Devil Inside by Jenna Black, which is a interesting new urban fantasy, uh, which has taken sort of a different direction than any of the other ones I've encountered before. And so I'm really enjoying that. Now, this is a really hot genre. This is a paranormal romance. No, 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 no. no. Now, see, now you're going to get yelled at because this is, this is something of a hot button for me. Okay. Okay, here's my bottom line statement on this. Okay. Just because there's a female protagonist and she gets laid in an urban fantasy does not make it a paranormal romance. So this is a, a paranormal detective story. Sorry. That's 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 fair. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it really is an urban fantasy. The main character is an exorcist who's basically dedicated. She's in a society where demon possession occurs, and there's voluntary and there's involuntary. And she's responsible for exercising demons in the cases of involuntary possession. And she has actually discovered that she has become possessed, and she has to deal with that. And yes, there's romance and sex in it, but that doesn't make it a paranormal romance because that's not the driving arc of the story, if that makes sense. Um, Paranormal romance really is a term that came out of romance, you know. Uh, For a long time, um, speculative fiction readers didn't really read it. It was only read by people who read romance on a regular basis, and what it meant was it's a romance, and it just happens that the conflict isn't that, you know, he's a vassal and she's a princess. It's he's a vassal and she's a princess and a unicorn. Um, and and I, I think that uh, the brush has been a little broad sometimes in, in its current application. You know, you look at people like Laurel Hamilton or Kelly Armstrong or Charlene Harris, and certainly they, they have their series where they have protagonists who have active romantic lives and are in a fantasy setting, but I don't think that necessarily makes them paranormal romances. You know, would you call the Jim Butcher books, where Harry actually manages to have a relationship, a a paranormal romance, just because Harry gets laid? You might. (laughs) It's not beyond... You might, but then you get yelled at like you did a few minutes ago. We've been speaking with Mary Elizabeth Hart. She's one of three owners of the Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore. Thank you for joining me, Mary Elizabeth. Absolutely. Thank you, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.